0: Good morning Liberty
1: well what is up all of our Liberty loving friends this is another fantastic episode of the good morning Liberty podcast my name is Nate and right across from me as always is Charles Chuck Lawrence Charlie Charles Thompson, I don't know what other names I could throw in there, but it's Chuck. What's up, man? Exactly. You do the math. You do the math. So we're in this new studio right here. I can hear a lot of echoes still, but hopefully the soundboard and the effects are doing their job, which is to not let that stuff through because we don't want to be putting out subpar material here or anything like that. No offense to anyone who... Uh, makes a living putting out subpar material but that's just not what we want to do we try to be
0: the best that we can possibly be i think it's your duty to do that yeah it's your moral obligation i did want to let you know on the video here our uh shelves don't line up
1: Um, just on the video i was worried that that was going to be a problem actually but Um, that's okay i see that they're they are
0: slightly off and uh it's almost like we're sitting next to each other but we're clearly not let me see what but I it's can fun. do here. It's fine nowadays. No,
1: I have to fix it. I knew it was
0: going to be. I literally <laughs> thought about it while I was putting up the shelves. You know, I bet if you would have watched Braveheart, then... Uh, I'm not going to watch Braveheart. Yeah, then you would have been fine. But anyway, if you guys missed yesterday's episode, Nate and I have a trade deal going on. I'm going to watch Castaway. He's going to watch Braveheart. So he finally understands what it's like to free yourself from the English. Yeah. And so he's going to do that. I watch the
1: Patriot to see what it's like to free myself from the English.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But this is the good morning Liberty podcast. As Nate said, the place for life, Liberty and the pursuit of meaning. We talk about current events here. We talk about economics. We talk about all kinds of things, but the ultimate goal is to lead everyone down the ideas and the path of Liberty, because we believe above all else that you own yourself and that every single person owns themselves and that the, the, Most amount of freedom that people can have can provide the best life for the most amount of people. And
1: by the way, the most amount of freedom that we want people to have is all the freedom is all of it. All all of it, because there's really what we found is there's no argument that you can make that can tell me that I shouldn't have my own liberty or that I shouldn't own myself. Like you can make I mean, you can make arguments but you're not really gonna win an argument that says that you get to take freedom away from me, unless I am going around just removing liberties from other people all the time. Well, then we can make that, but just me living as a free individual, trying to exchange value with other people in my life, you can't make an argument that says you get to take some of that away from me.
0: You really can't. I was just leaving room for a little bit of tyranny because the world's not perfect. So we try to we're trying to advance the most amount of liberty, as you always say, like we can't have a libertarian president come in and president come in and just abolish everything no i mean i don't actually
1: think that that would be the best thing and actually joe uh, dr joe jorgensen when we talked to her i actually get that idea from her as well uh that you if you had a libertarian president come in and they just removed everything overnight now we all agree or can pretty much agree that those things should be removed but we also have to realize that we do live in this We live in this year right now, generations of people have grown up with this. And I actually believe it wouldn't be the best strategy to just rip the rug out from under everything. Mm -hmm. You'd have to step it down over time. Uh, That's just, you know, without collapsing the entire society that's built on all this fake stuff that we have. I think you'd have to step it down a little bit over time. Now, obviously, libertarian presidency would accelerate that. And at least, I mean, at least stop it, good lord! I mean, it's definitely going in the other direction right now.
0: So anyway, yeah, we we got there through small steps, and I think we should we can get back there through small steps, and uh, that's the way to do it. That's what we believe in here, and and with that comes personal responsibility. So you got to take it upon yourself and make sure that you're doing the right things and building the best life possible for yourself so that you can help other people around you. I honestly do believe
1: goal. that personal responsibility is the most important thing. It sounds cliche. It sounds overdone. It sounds like it's just a slogan. It really is the most important thing for finding meaning. I mean, if you want to read a great book, read 12 rules for life, uh, probably, I don't know, second favorite <laughs> book I've ever read. So I know I saw that um, <laughs> probably second favorite book I've ever read, but it's just like with trading. Like I can have a book bunch of bad trades or something, and I can decide that someone else is to blame somehow. But where does that get you? Where does blaming someone else get you other than just alone in a corner crying about how terrible everything is (laughs) or hateful and resentful and just mad at the world? Where does any of that actually get you? The only thing that could actually make you feel better in a downtime is that It's on you to take care of this problem. If you took a bunch of bad trades, you can fix it. If you're in a bad economic situation, you need to take the personal responsibility, even if something bad happened to you. That doesn't mean that everything bad that's ever happened to you was your fault, but it does mean that it's on you to get yourself out of it. And to me, that is a much more uplifting ideology to have than to think that if something bad has happened to you, that it's everyone else's fault and you can only make it out if you can take the right amount of stuff from other people. And here's
0: the thing I get that. It's not, let's say fair, even if it is someone else's fault, by you taking the personal responsibility for whatever happens to you in your life, what that does is that's a, that's a power shift. What it does is it shifts the power from everyone else whose fault it was because if it's their fault, there's nothing you can do about it, right? But if you take the onus onto yourself, you can say, okay, I have the power to change this. And the one thing we argue for is getting government out of the way so that your personal responsibility can flourish. And that allows human beings to flourish. And so that's what we believe in here at, Good, at the Good Morning Liberty podcast. So make sure you smash that subscribe button. We got new numbers coming in uh it's no longer the hate percent by the way we now have a 96 percent subscription rate
1: yeah so we got to come up with something we got to come up with something creative for the evil evil four percenters out there
0: don't be part of that half a hate percent (laughs) Don't,
1: don't do it so everyone in the live group get to work on what we can call the whore percenters out there, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So maybe that's it I don't, I don't know just just the first thing that came to my head but 96 percent of the people the devices that are listening to this podcast are subscribed to the podcast
0: so it's working
1: that's, that's pretty good just asking
0: you guys to subscribe that's working
1: now just so you know as far as numbers go what that could mean is that a bunch of other people who weren't going to subscribe dropped dropped off and were left only with the people who are subscribed to the podcast still trying out the podcast, but that's not the answer because the numbers are going up. So exactly. If they were going down that, that, that could be it. So
0: anyway, anyway, <laughs> the, the whore percent. The whore. <laughs> don't be a part of that. whore percent. All right.
1: <laughs> Don't be a whore percenter, guys. Join in the the 96% Don't be a poor percenter. That's a good one too. There you go. There you go. Nice. All right, guys. Keep coming up with those good names. Uh hate percent was just so amazing that I'm kind of sad that we got more subscribers. <laughs> so, no. I'm not. No. <laughs> I think no, it's-, it's good. I think it's great. Yeah. So, um, let's run through just a little bit. Actually, Charlie, take us through this first article because listen, y'all, the second wave might be upon us. It might be upon us very shortly. Yep. That second wave of that coronavirus, coronavirus is gonna be coming up real quick. And I don't know who is to blame. It's probably businesses. <laughs> that's
0: that's (laughs) who's to blame coronavirus (laughs) yeah it couldn't be the protests or anything like that no No. it's
1: it's economic activity yeah
0: it's what it is it couldn't be Walmart reducing their hours so everybody goes at the same exact time Uh, couldn't be any of that
1: that's so annoying we were dealing with the place yesterday that's only open for like four hours during the day listen guys I get that you want to signal how important you think it is to be safe but if you're a grocery store. The same amount of people need food that needed food beforehand, and all that's going to happen is all of those people are going to try to pack in in that smaller time, meaning you're going to have more people standing in line right next to each other, more people going through the aisles right next to each other. We need to be extending hours. If you were only open until 9 or 10 o'clock, we need to be open in 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. If, If you actually want to decrease the amount of time that people are around other people, not decreasing the hours that they can
0: be around anyway. It literally not, makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. Yeah. But anyway, back to mm. coronavirus. <laughs> second U.S. Vir- uh, what does it say? The most deadly virus? No, no. This isn't the most deadly virus. <laughs> this is uh, the second U.S. virus wave emerges as cases top two million. Woo. Oh, must, we're probably just testing more people. <laughs> <laughs> A second wave of coronavirus cases is emerging in the U.S., raising alarms as new infections push the overall count past 2 million Americans. Texas on Wednesday reported 2,504 new coronavirus cases, the highest one-day total since the pandemic emerged. A month into its reopening, Florida this week reported 8,553 new cases, the most of any seven-day period. I love how they picked these out. This is coming from Bloomberg, by the way. California's hospitalizations are at their highest since May 13th and have risen in nine of the past 10 days. A fresh onslaught of the novel coronavirus is bringing challenges for residents and the economy in pockets across the U S the localized surges have raised concerns among experts, even as the nation's overall case count early this week rose just under 1% the smallest increase since March.
1: So (laughs) that's, That's not important, Charlie. What's important is that are the these second very wave specific? is coming. These, yeah. You need to pick one specific location where the cases are on the rise, and make sure you mention.
0: By the way, did you know the WHO retracted their statement? I saw that of the, a, the asymptomatic, yeah. you know, being very rare. Of course, it, it doesn't fit the narrative. Y'all, come on, man. The,
1: the WHO, uh, never mind. Well, yeah. we'll just we just won't we just won't go there, man. But Quote, yeah, I mean, this seems important. Overall case count early this week rose just under 1%, the smallest increase since March, meaning that the increase in cases is slowing down. That's what that means, by the way. The overall increase in cases is slowing down.
0: In fact, it's the smallest it's ever been.
1: Yeah, (laughs) this is the smallest increase in cases we've ever had inside of a news story about how the second U.S. virus wave emerges.
0: Now, the trick is with this thing is like, just stay away from old people. Like the, the data is in, <laughs> or sorry, the data are in. Yeah. Stay away from old, the oldies. Just don't do it. Just be like, I like you, but I'm going to respect your distance. Yeah. You know, I would say stay like at least a house away from, from the old people. Keep a
1: minimum safe distance of one house.
0: And when I say yeah. old, it's like, it's literally 65 to 70 and older. Yeah. Like those are, that's your, the death rate goes way up then, which it does anyway.
1: I, By have the way. A, I have, a, you know, my grandma uh, just turned 90 last year and I uh, haven't seen her since Christmas. And it's, it's kind of sad because listen, y'all 90 is super old. Like that's as far as old goes, it's close to as old as it gets. Mm. Honestly, yeah. and I'm just like, man, this really sucks. You know, I haven't been able to go see her in six months now. I haven't seen my mom since February still. I don't know how long this is going to hold on that people are just going to not go see their family members. It depends on how much you like your family members, I think. So,
0: anyway, sorry. Just well, to, to you know, now in. that we've got all these tests happening and we've got all these companies vying, it was interesting on Monday when we interviewed Dr. Joe Jorgensen. She was saying that originally there were 60 companies that were trying to get tests out for the coronavirus, and the government shut them all down except two, they only approved two of them. And it's like, my God, th- this is the free market problem. Yeah. It's and, the free market problem, and guys.
1: Everyone knows if we have more testing, then, we'll, then that's the actual antidote the co- to the virus.
0: Coronavirus, police <laughs> brutality, racism, all of this is you can just blame on capitalism. Absolutely. It's so ridiculous. Capitalism requires inequality, Charlie. It does. Quote, there is a new wave coming in parts of the country. In parts of the country, said Eric Toner. A senior scholar at the John Hopkins Center for Health Security. It's a, it's small and it's distant so far, but it's coming. Of course. Yep. Though the outbreaks come weeks into state reopenings, it's not clear that they're linked to increased economic activity. And health experts say it's still too soon to tell whether the massive protests against police brutality that have erupted in the past two weeks have led to more infections. Uh, uh,
1: there, there's no way of connecting those things at all. I can't it, listen, guys. I quit. It, it might be linked to increased economic activity. There's no, there's no research to suggest that massive protests of hundreds of thousands of people are going to be linked to any spread of the coronavirus at I, all. I quit. So I th- can't read anymore. So w- what we have to talk about this on this podcast is how do you deal with a complete lack of reason, rationality, objectivity, uh, I- any of those things. How do you deal with that? Because we're seeing a level of hypocrisy that I didn't even think was possible. We used to, remember when we used to call things double standards? That's not even a thing anymore. That The standard is double standard now. We, we used to you, do that? You've got to have, well, I mean, we used to say, well, this is a double standard. Well, th- everything is a double standard now. I mean, it's so prevalent in everything I mean, to call this a double standard, it, it, would, it would be a disservice to, to double standards all over the world. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I don't even know what to call it. It's a quintuple standard is what's going on. This is worse than the horror percenters. Okay. The, this is some of the worst stuff I've seen so far. But What's, you,
0: what's so interesting about all of this is that, it, you know, you can only let things be okay for a little while, Yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden we've got to inject the fear mongering again. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, um, just mind-blowing. Now, I did read uh, that the Secretary of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, uh, said that they are not going to shut down the economy at all this time. So I don't think they're going to force any businesses to close from what I'm reading. I was reading uh, the updates. And apparently, you know, the Dow dropped like 1,500 points. And they're saying, oh, it's because of the second wave. And they're worried about this and that or whatever but i was talking to another friend of mine who went on a business trip and um he was flying southwest there and i was like oh was uh like you know five people on the plane he's like no there were 90 <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're basically doing uh, two-thirds full they don't they're not booking the middle seat okay but every other seat it was full he said
1: it's the time to fly right it's, now it's, <laughs> that's, let me tell you what that's crazy I so, always especially for
0: somebody like me at six, eight.
1: Oh yeah i, I always grab out. the aisle seat by the way because i can't stand being next to the window somehow i feel safer in the aisle seat like i could watch the person next to me fly out the hole in the plane but i would be okay <laughs> in my seat is kind of how that how that comes down i hate flying man
0: i'll never forget when i was i first turned 21 my dad took me to vegas and well i say took me to vegas i, I took myself to vegas but i went with my dad And I remember we were at the airport and my dad was giving me this whole speech. He's like, now you're an adult. I'm not going to take care of you, all of this stuff. And I've, there's so many funny stories, but I'm gonna stick to this one plane one. And I was like, yeah, dad got it. Cool. Cool. And at this time I had flown so many times, it was no big deal to me. And my dad was talking about how he paid extra money for the seats on the plane. And I was like, Oh, cool. Cause he did. He bought my plane ticket. I was like, Oh, awesome. I'm thinking like we, uh, maybe not first class, but we got at least got upgraded leg room because we're both really tall guys. Well, my dad used to be and, <laughs> and, and, uh, he's six, seven, I'm six, eight. He, he was, he was six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't die or nothing. He just doesn't have his legs anymore. But anyway, that's not part of the story. The part of the story <laughs> is he's like, I paid extra money for these seats. Lieutenant dad. And we start getting on the plane and my dad keeps walking and I'm like, dad, dad, you're not in like one of these comfort seats or anything like that for extra legroom. room? He's like, no, no, no. I bought seats in the very back of the plane. I was like, <laughs> why did you pay extra money for seats in the back of the plane? He goes, well, Charlie, if the plane ends up going down, the safest place on the plane is the back of the plane. It's like, <laughs> dad, if this plane ends up going down... Grab some whiskey out of the bar cart <laughs> yeah. for our last eight minutes.
1: There's nothing you can do about <laughs> There's it.
0: There's nothing you can do about it.
1: No, seriously.
0: Just get up calmly, go to the bar cart, and we'll have a little toast it, on the way down. It, it
1: Denzel Washington could be flying the plane, and you're not going to be okay. <laughs> it's just... All right.
0: I remember laughing so hard, I'm like, Dad, geez, extra <laughs> money for the back of the plane. Worst leg room there possibly is. Oh, you know yeah. It narrows you can't, as like, yeah. It can't lean back. Nothing. The yeah. worst four-hour mm-hmm. plane ride of my life. And uh I think I ended up switching seats on the way home. I was like, this is just ridiculous. That's a ridiculous man. Jeff, Jeff said you got new legs. Your dad's got magic legs. He does have magic legs. <laughs> new legs.
1: All right. Lieutenant okay. Dan,
0: you got new legs. <laughs>
1: All right, guys, so we know, I don't know if it's yesterday, the day before yesterday, we talked about that letter from the public health health experts that said that they're behind. They were against the protests against the lockdowns because those were anti-public health, but they're for the Black Lives Matter protest because this is a bigger emergency to worry about. And so I found this this beautiful, beautiful article from theatlantic.com i would highly recommend going to that website if you want to make your brain worse overall (laughs) go to theatlantic.com and just read some of the mess that goes on over there so this is called public health experts are not hypocrites all right so we're going to go through this we'll dissect it as we go through it's a it's a little bit lengthy but uh, it's got a lot of great great information in it so on june 4th more than twelve hundred public health he, health experts signed a letter saying the protests were vital to the national public health and to the threatened health specifically of black people in the United States. Conservative commentators and few liberal academics accused the experts of making a sudden U-turn in their messaging, because that's what they did. The people who are calling public health health experts inconsistent believe that supporting the anti-racism protests in May, but condemning the anti-lockdown ones in April reflects ideology rather than science and could lead to a loss of credibility for public health as a field. Well, that's that's true. That, that's all true. But we'll, let's talk about why it's not. Let's talk about why it's not, see how this goes. At its core, the argument being leveled against public health experts is that the reason for the protest shouldn't matter. The coronavirus doesn't care whether it's attending an anti-lockdown protest or an anti-racism one. But these two kinds of protests are not equivalent from a public health perspective. Some critics might argue that the anti-lockdown protest promoted economic activity, which can help stave off the health implications of poverty. Uh, on, and then it says, on this count, let's go over this with me, Charlie, real quick. This is in parentheses. On this count, public health experts were ahead of the curve. Many, including one of us, were advocating for a massive infusion of assistance to individual Americans as early as March. So they're trying wow. to make the argument that the anti-lockdown protests promoted economic activity, which could help stave off poverty. And they're saying, well, the public health experts were saying that we needed the massive redistribution of wealth to help people that were in poverty. That's not the same thing. It's not the same. It's not the same thing at all, because you have to have economic activity to siphon off the teat of the economic activity this is just to give money to people.
0: It's blatant ignorance <clears throat> of economics is it, what it, it is. is.
1: It's, it's, pure, it's pure ideology. It's It's pure subjectivism. Uh, irrational all those things it says but these protests were organized so this is why it's not okay for to have this protest by the way because you get the pick who can and cannot have protests these days but these protests were organized by pro-gun groups that believe the nra is too compromising on gun safety which they are well they are in that case we can't have the protests because these were gun groups who think the nra is weak on gun safety so that's not
0: that's not a approved first amendment it's not protest.
1: in the con- you've got the constitution right behind you right there and it says that you have the right to assemble and and protest as long as you're not someone who thinks the NRA is weak on gun safety it says right. that down at the mm-hmm. bottom egged on by the president to save your great second amendment anti-lockdown protesters stormed government buildings with assault rifles and signs reading covid-19 is a lie they stormed the government buildings. Charlie, how many people died in those anti-lockdown protests? Do you know, let me think,
0: um, during the time of the protests, during
1: the protests, how many people were, were bludgeoned to death or killed with those automatic rifles? It was at least automatic At least. It was at least zero. It's somewhere around zero. You put that little squiggly line and then zero. Yeah. And that's, that's how many it was. The I think ant- it was like 10 times zero. It's uh, it could be honestly, it could have been roughly 100 times zero. But could you imagine if
0: that automatic rifle just started going off by itself? Those things are dangerous.
1: (laughs) I've been scared of that MF -er sitting right there all day. (laughs) And it's not even automatic.
0: I know you did a video this morning from the office.
1: The anti-lockdown demonstrations were explicitly at odds with public health and experts had a duty to oppose them. The current protests, in contrast, are a grassroots uprising against systemic racism. It's grassroots, man. A pervasive and longstanding public health crisis that leads to more than 80,000 excess deaths among black Americans every year. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but systemic racism leads to 80,000 deaths of black people every single year. Racism does. Because anything, anyone who's in poverty or or anything honestly is due to racism. Now, if you're white and you're in poverty and you couldn't afford healthcare or something like that, that's because you suck that like you're, you're an idiot. You're probably a white supremacist, honestly, and you don't deserve healthcare. But if you're black and you're in poverty, that's due to systemic racism. That's, that's what that I is would because say.
0: Of. I would say there probably is excess deaths among the uh, black Americans every year due to some, systemic racism like sure. criminal justice sure yeah you know i would too and almost half the prison population is black you know think about the and
1: half of them are uh, at least are in for drug crimes right which is ridiculous yes oh hey you're doing something bad for yourself you know what i'm gonna do
0: i'm gonna put you in a cage
1: right boom I, you're welcome you're welcome i stopped you from doing something and bad for yourself not
0: only that but every all the government programs and things that hold these people down to not let them get ahead
1: And, you know, one thing we've been talking about when it comes to the criminal justice reform is, uh, listen, one of the things that I liked in the demands of the terrorists taking over Seattle right now was that they demanded that people's criminal records for marijuana possession or anything be expunged. And I completely agree with that. The idea that when you have a criminal record, you get out and you have a hard time getting a job or you can't vote sometimes. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, we have to realize the cycle of poverty that putting people in prison causes. There's no reform there. There's no justice afterwards because you end up ruining the rest of the person's life. So there are, listen, there are problems, but we're going to be addressing this, this number and the, the entire idea of this here, here in just a minute um, because it's it's really interesting that people can make this point right here when it comes to the risk of coronavirus But when we were making points when it came to poverty versus the risk of coronavirus, that's because we just wanted to get haircuts,
0: right? For some, it fell on, it fell on deaf ears. Yeah.
1: For some critics, the gravest mistake made by public health experts was allowing themselves to be sidetracked by politics, highlighting the health implications of police violence and systemic racism rather than focusing on the real work of combating the coronavirus meant that political ideology that is anti-racism become part of the uh, public health equation. But color blindness, blindness, or the insistence that race isn't relevant, reinforces many color-coded inequities. Um, Let's see. The same insistence that the protests are purely ideology and politics and therefore irrelevant to public health is a way of sweeping racial health disparities under the rug once again. The people who are marching... Now, this is important right here. The people who are marching in the streets right now are well aware of the risk of coronavirus transmission duh many of the protesters are from communities of color which have been hit hardest by the pandemic and some have lost loved ones to the coronavirus they are not acting out of ignorance that needs to be corrected by public health experts of course they're not as one protester in minneapolis said yes corona is happening it's real it's deadly but racism kills way more lives i'm gonna need to see the data on that the protesters from all over the country are weighing interrelated risks, the coronavirus pandemic, police violence, and centuries of systemic racism that led to large gaps in life expectancy, health, and wellness between black and white people in the U.S. This says the health crisis for black Americans didn't start in 2020. It started in 1619.
0: Ugh. That's when it started. So, which, which is partially true, I would say, but it's, it's not just racism. It's terrible economic policies. And that, that is the actual systemic problem that we have we've been talking about how terrible this lockdown was for the economy and how it would kill way more people Mm -hmm. and we we weren't saying oh it's going to kill way more black people or white we weren't it's going to kill way more white people so we need to open up the economy no we're just saying it's going to kill way more human beings so it's there's no race to play here And bad the economy economics doesn't care about the color of your skin it,
1: the, it doesn't the, num- the numbers don't don't really care. No, it cares about how much value you provide in society. You know what I think we have? We have a systemic socialism problem. That's, That's what's what, actually been yes. happening. Systemic socialism. I think
0: you're writing a book against that.
1: I, I am. I you know, I was going to talk about the book in my video. I was working on uh, this morning. Actually, I I am working on a book that I have written um, several pages of that. I, I'm not going to give out the title yet because it's too good. And too good of an idea that I could not believe no one had done it yet. That
0: is too good, man.
1: No, but let's go over this one more time. Let's think about this for one second. Because imagine, if you will, you were going to talk about any of the other protesters that were protesting anti-lockdown because they didn't want to be forced into poverty. Just think about the ideology that has to go into these types of statements and not feel like you're a complete hypocrite or a complete partisan hack or an ideologue or whatever it is. The people who are marching in the streets right now are well aware of the risk of coronavirus transmission. Many of the protesters are from communities of color, which have been hit the hardest by the pandemic and some have lost loved ones. They are not acting out of ignorance that needs to be corrected by public health experts. So just think about that idea. Well, if, if your protest is ignorant and needs to be corrected by the public health experts, we have then, no problem using force against then you. We can use force against you or tell you that you shouldn't be doing this and say that it's against the, the public health experts or, or whatever it is. Guys, the the numbers on this stuff are simply not going to hold up unless you do blame most deaths of people of color on racism. If you decide that you're going to put a stamp on anyone who is impoverished and also a person of color that dies when they could have otherwise paid for some type of medical treatment or they could have had better living conditions or whatever it is, if you're just going to blindly put a racism cause of death on that, like we blindly put coronavirus death on someone who was shot or something like that, if you're just going to blindly put racism on that, well, then you can make the numbers add up that you can't prove That any person who is of color, any POC that's out there, and that they died because they were in a bad economic position was because of systemic racism. What about all the people who aren't a POC that have died because they couldn't afford whatever the resources were? Why did they die? You can't just simply say it's out of racism. It goes to the the deeper idea and the deeper agenda that people are trying to push. So it says public health experts are weighing these same risks at a population level. And many have come to the conclusion that the health implications of maintaining the status quo of white supremacy are too great to ignore, even with the potential for an increase in coronavirus transmission from the protests. Some have asked how many new infections from the protests will public health experts tolerate? But this is not a contest. Questions like this are once again, a call to colorblindness, to stop seeing the health effects of systemic racism as something worthy of attention during the pandemic. In this utilitarian calculus, new coronavirus infections from the protests will always be greater than the health impacts of systemic racism because what matters most was decided even before the math was done. Others have suggested that even if racism matters for public health, we have no proof that the protests are the anecdote to the poison the antidote to the poison. Although there is no way to quantitatively evaluate this question right now, supporting the protests is more than an assertion of faith. It's a recognition that social mobilization has historically played a significant role in improving public health. So they did say there in the last paragraph that while you can make this argument, if you want to, there's actually no proof that these protests are actually going to stop any of the systemic racism that's existing. That's the, so if you wanna excuse the protests on the idea that we need to solve systemic racism, you'd also have to prove that the protests are going to stop systemic racism. And if they're not going to do anything about systemic racism, then the protests are only in that negative overall because you're gonna have people die from coronavirus because and of the protests. Changed. And nothing changes. Except for in so, Seattle. Except for in Seattle, yeah. where we're gonna to try to fit a million people inside of about a six block radius here pretty soon. Yeah. So anyway, i I just thought that this is it's it's fairly ridiculous, I would say fairly ridiculous and uh and and slightly disgusting, fairly ridiculous, slightly disgusting. well,
0: you just see time and time and time and time and time and time and time again when they get called out on their hypocrisy, they just come up with these excuses. that's all it is. You're like, <laughs> well, well, I didn't mean all protests were bad when I was you know, calling people out for protesting and telling them that they should stay home. And and I was willing to use the police and National Guard to shoot them in the street and call on my neighbors and tell them how bad of a people they were for spreading this virus. That, that was because those protests were not for the right thing. But yeah. these protests, they're fine because I will make up numbers to justify the, the backdoor solution to uh, what I believe is the right thing to do. It's just, a, it's a constant mental gymnastics game is, as the live group talks about all the time. Yeah. It's just constant mental gymnastics. It, it, when they, man, I run into this issue all the time talking to my brother. When they, when their backs up against the wall and their, their point has been proven false, it never matters to them. They don't care. They don't care that they're wrong. They'll find another way to justify what they're doing. And that'll always be the case. It will always be the case. I don't sorry, know what else you can do sorry, about that. Sorry, there's a truck
1: outside the window right there, just trying to yeah. see, see what they got. Gravel? Okay, cool. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I'll so, move just to a construction site. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> so Charlie lives in a new development, and there's going to be a bunch of new houses being built right outside our podcast window here for a little bit. But anyway, you probably would have never known if I wouldn't have said anything about yeah, it. Yeah, you probably can't hear I, I was just like, Squirrel. Right over there, but guys, I mean, this is—it's—it's honestly a more simple problem than it sounds. Like this, what we've said every single day is that we have an economic problem disguised as a race problem right now. The problems that stem from whatever everyone wants to name systemic racism are economic problems. And the idea here is that to solve those problems, we must have mass wealth redistribution in some kind of way. We need socialism. That's what we need, is we need socialism to solve these problems. We can't point to anyone who really has done this at all, uh, especially along the lines of any of the economic policies that people who are socialists in America are pushing. They wouldn't even get on board with policies like what Denmark has because those are way more free market than what we have right now. You can't look at Russia or China or Venezuela or any of the countries that have ushered in this new wave of socialism and say that they've solved the economic problems that stop people from dying that otherwise would not have died. You've actually just got a bunch of you've got a bunch of evidence that that is a terrible, terrible solution so far that we don't have any countries the size of the United States for sure that have done this at all. You can maybe point me to one that's got about five million people in it. And what I will always say to that is, okay, we'll do this in one city, do this in one U S city, do it in New York and then see how it
0: goes. I was watching the, um, the, I think it's, uh, is it Slavoj D or whatever his name is against, um, yeah. Jordan Peterson, the debate yeah. on, uh, Marxism and happiness or something like that. And he pointed to China, you know, China is a communist state that has all this economic boom and all of this. And I was just like, oh, come on, you really. Think that that's a better way to live now granted their businesses are a lot more capitalistic than other uh, socialist or um, communist places but the the way that they control the people is is like is that any way to live
1: we don't even have accurate numbers out of China anyway well, like all kinds of stuff yeah their their currency doesn't trade you know, on the, on the currency markets, like everyone else's does, you know, we don't really know what they're doing to their currency. We don't really know how many people they're still uh, killing over the years with their regime. I mean, we don't even know how many thousands of people they're harvesting organs out of, which is something that sounds like a conspiracy theory, but also has a ton of evidence to back it up. So using China as some type of an example is, is just kind of Kind of ridiculous. China. I think. So, t- well, I was China. gonna say,
0: uh, real quick, Magoo made a good point. He said, if you want to solve systemic racism, then you must vote for someone who has been in the system for 40 years. I mean, think about it, man. Yeah. And I was listening to another podcast the other day, and they were talking about one of the most important things to do during these protests is figuring out how many people that are pro- out protesting are registered to vote and make sure that they vote this election because it's very important. Now, they didn't say who to vote for, but my, my, my gut instinct would be that they they want Trump out of office because he's the one inciting all of this and, and that the vote should go to Biden because he needs to beat out Trump. It's like that Biden's been in public office for 40 years. He was the one that contributed to systemic racism by passing all the crime legislation under the Clinton administration when he was a senator. Like, go look up his record. You, you think that he's just a changed man? All of a sudden in yeah. 2020 he's changed and maybe if he, you don't vote for him you ain't black the
1: only thing maybe the, the only thing i can come up with is there's a very real possibility that he did completely forget about the crime bill um and that he might have yeah. changed his stance on everything because he just truly can't remember what his old stances used to be yeah so that there is that slight possibility listen to this well,
0: you watch this flip-flop of the democratic party over the years you just go back and listen to them i mean they were all against um um, gay marriage you know they were uh, you saw Obama and Clinton and all of them I believe marriage is between one man, one, woman, one man and one woman 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 and then when gay marriage is legalized they all come out of the woodwork and they're like we've been fighting for this for years no you can haven't I get so angry and people just eat it up they just Eat it up.
1: That's how you know that there is, there's no, there's no principle, there's no objective It's all partisan politics. It's all, it's all about right now beating Trump so much so that they would go for someone that has a clear record of being on the other side of this issue that they
0: disagree with. Even and Joe, Joe Biden said he doesn't even want to defund the police. To be all fairness and, and liberty, it's not just the left, by the way. No, it's also no. remember when Trump said that he was going to uh, get rid of the deficit. Within his first couple of years, mm-hmm. not only did he not get rid of the he actually deficit, said he
1: would end up getting rid of the debt uh, by, by the end of his
0: presidency. Really? Yeah. So not only did he not even reduce the deficit, not even in the first year or two before this whole pandemic started, but that this year they added about $6 trillion to the deficit. So the, the debt by the time Trump is reelected, cause I still think he's probably going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it'll be, the debt will be like, uh, 30, almost 30 trillion probably. Somewhere around there,
1: did you? It's going to be insane. Did you see that um, Trump, the Trump campaign, is suing CNN over their latest poll that they put out, showing that Joe Biden had fifty one or fifty three percent and Trump has forty one percent or something like that. I don't know what the exact numbers are. CNN put out that poll. He, they put out the poll and it's been all over the place. It's. One of the reasons I've seen people pinpoint why the market's having so many issues, because people are starting to believe that Trump isn't going to win and the Trump campaign is suing CNN because their statistical sample rate for it was so off that the that the poll itself, they say, is is faulty. And actually, I went and read the poll last night because I always find that really, I don't know, interesting of course, once again, they sam- they oversampled Democrats to Republicans uh, by a wider margin than what their population sizes would would actually be represented. Uh, they didn't sample any independents whatsoever. Uh, they put in the beginning of it that they oversampled the black population for this poll, uh, that they, they had a much higher representation, something like 25% in this poll, uh, when the population demographic is actually like 13%. So there's actually some grounds that the poll, like most polls, are are pretty faulty. And then the wording on all of the questions was just, was was insane, like you couldn't really figure out what they meant by it uh, much really whatsoever. I just thought that that was pretty crazy. I've never really seen a presidential campaign sue a news agency over a presidential poll before. Just uh, pretty, pretty crazy. Leave it to Trump. Pretty crazy. <laughs> so uh, along, going along with the hypocrisy, um, I thought this next one was pretty interesting, also, Charles.
0: All right, this coming from the Huff Post, the Huffington Post. Uh, many police aren't wearing masks, posing yet another risk to protesters in a pandemic. So
1: this—that's because pin, of they're racist. Let's pinpoint a problem. Police aren't wearing masks. Yeah. Out there, and they're not on the correct side of the protest. So we need to be really worried about them wearing masks and being safe during the protest.
0: On May 13th, five New York City police officers wrestled a 22-year-old mother to the ground in a Brooklyn subway station and arrested her in front of her young child for refusing to wear a mask. I watched this video. It was actually pretty upsetting. Like two-thirds of New Yorkers arrested for not wearing a mask during the COVID-19 pandemic, the woman was black.
1: Less because a, that matters, by the way. Yeah. Because we have to point out the fact, give a story for a video that people saw where someone was arrested for not wearing a mask. And we need to point out that the person was black because we need to keep this narrative going, man. They're only arresting black people who weren't wearing masks. That, that's what's actually happening right now.
0: Less than a month later, New York cops themselves are overwhelmingly going without masks at protests against police brutality and racism. So much so that Mayor Mayor Bill de Blasio, widely criticized for defending the New York Police Department's violence against demonstrators, pleaded with officers to follow the rules. Quote, it's just it's just a human decency thing. The mayor said on Sunday, yet masks remain optional for officers in the field in that the NY. How can you arrest somebody for something that you yourself aren't even doing? This is
1: the the two sides of this i i one am upset by the hypocrisy in the article that i've seen all these articles pinpointing how police aren't wearing masks how trump is crazy for wanting to have a packed venue an outside venue by the way um that he's doesn't care about the coronavirus because he wants to have a packed rally and you've also seen that the protests are just fine and then on the other side i'm like well this is kind of bs because there are a lot of people who are arrested for not wearing masks so the police Better damn well have their masks on while they're outside. So anyway, there's two sides of this. You can be on both of them at the same time, actually.
0: It's so crazy. In that the NYPD is not alone across the country. Police departments have left it up to individual officers to decide if they will wear a mask while dealing with the public. Come on, Christ almighty. (laughs) Why? Like, why can't it just be America leaves it up to individuals to decide if they want to wear a mask? A HuffPost analysis of hundreds of videos and photos posted over the past two weeks of the protest sparked by the death of George Floyd um, found that the majority of police working the demonstrations do not appear to be wearing protective masks. They're There's wearing riot gear face yeah. shields.
1: <laughs> They're wearing gas masks. You're right.
0: <laughs> Public health experts say that the officers foregoing masks likely poses less of a risk to protesters than the use of tear gas and pepper spray which can cause respiratory distress and coughing fits that could spread the virus and increase the chance of uh, severe infections. But the lack of policy enforcing the wearing of masks sends a toxic message to anti-racism protesters at a moment when black communities are suffering the highest death tolls from COVID-19 quote, what the police are showing me is that they're not protecting anybody, let alone black and Brown people said Angela cook Jackson, a public health researcher at California state university in Los Angeles. How simple would it be to do that?
1: Now that last sentence in the previous paragraph where it said black communities are suffering the highest death tolls from COVID-19. Is that true? Highest death tolls? That would suggest that the, that the sheer number of people that are dying, that most of them are black from this. Yeah. There's a difference in saying that there is a higher death toll or that there is a higher percentage chance of dying relative to your population size. Now that's a lot more words and it's a lot more complicated to say, but those two things do mean different things. So I'd, I would have to see the numbers on that because it would be pretty interesting if, if, uh, if blacks make up 13% of the population and, and they're making up at least 51% of the people that have died from coronavirus. That, that would be interesting. The, the little things like that matter, by the way, inside of a news story. Someone could read that sentence and you come away with the fact that most of the people who have died from
0: the coronavirus are black. That's what you come away with. But I have a question. Yeah. Are they counting people like George Floyd? <laughs> That's who I, had coronavirus, but died probably of asphyxiation.
1: If they go along with how they have been counting the coronavirus deaths, then yes, George Floyd is on a number of someone who has died from coronavirus.
0: The latest I can find is from a, non, of course, a nonpartisan APM research lab That says uh, African-Americans have died at a rate of 50 per 100,000 people compared with 20 for whites, 22 for Latinos, and 22 for Asian per 100,000 people.
1: That's still not the same thing, though. That's the percentage of your population density. That's still not the death toll of
0: coronavirus. Yeah, definitely not more people. So anyway, I'm just saying little things like
1: that when you're reading the news story. Little stuff like that matters because what that sentence means is that most of the people who have died from coronavirus are black. That's what that sentence means, but that I I guarantee you that is not the actual case. So so and they like, have
0: they've gathered statistics from forty states covering almost ninety percent of the total. They don't even have the total. So uh, it's pretty interesting here. Sorry, I'm just combing through this. That's based on ninety percent of the data. So they say, yeah, I'm looking to but that's see That's just the, the quickest thing I could find
1: looking to see what's going up this, this little stuff right here. I don't know why it annoys me so bad, but when I, it's, it's those little, uh, manipulations inside of data that really, because you can drive a narrative and you can, you can affect how people think about things by driving that kind of a narrative. And just excuse us right now. I know that we're kind of. Uh, off a little bit right now that's because we're both looking up numbers because i want to know what the actual numbers are so well um, and as
0: maurice points out in the live group he says like it's the numbers don't matter it's all about how you feel and that's so true like i'm I'm not saying that's right i'm saying that's true and and people that spin this narrative they only care about how anything makes them feel they have a complete disregard for what the actual truth is and the, the crazy thing about what we believe in, we're the ones called crazy, yeah. even though what we believe in is the truth. they like, sure, we have obviously some bias here. We, we want uh, liberty to be at the forefront. But for the most part, I don't care if you if you're from the left or the right or what color you are or anything like that. I have I have I don't care at all. What I care about is, are you free? And and are you consistent? And do you speak the truth, or are you using manipulation to get your point across? And the numbers are just numbers, you know. Even my brother was like uh, talking about Elon Musk and the and him kicking people out of this Texas town, or basically like shutting it down for his lock, uh, you know, his rocket tests and stuff like that. And as much as I love Elon Musk and SpaceX and all the cool things they're they're doing as a as a private space company, I told him I was like, well, look if if they are legitimately uh, infringing on others' rights to be to travel and be peaceful and, and be in their own homes, uh, then I disagree with that, and they should find somewhere else to test their rockets, maybe in the middle of the desert or something. I don't know. Uh, so you can be consistent on that on that principle and not make some you know somebody without principles would make some excuse for Elon Musk and twist it in a way to be like, oh well, you know rocket going to Mars is the most important thing. So who cares about the, you know, the, the, the thousand people that are displaced from this really tiny town, they can just move. And that would be the irresponsible, non-principled response. And the principled response would be, yeah, I like Elon Musk for the most part. I like a lot of what he's doing. I think he's a genius and he's a, a gift to humankind with as smart as that guy is. However, If he's doing something to violate somebody's rights, I don't agree with that. And I think he should stop. So while Nate's looking up these numbers,
1: from what I can find roughly about 20, 22% of the deaths from coronavirus in the U S have been people who were, who were black. So just, just, just so we have that. Say that one more time. About 22% of the deaths uh, have been, have been black people so far. Something, something like that. Okay. So that's not more. I mean, all I'm saying is that the wording matters and maybe I'm just being a stickler here, but I do believe that when you are writing something that millions of people might end up writing, that if you say black communities are suffering the highest death tolls from COVID-19, that, Im- that implies a higher number than everyone else. Now what you find everywhere is that they are dying at a higher rate. That is true. At a much higher, like three times the rate of, mm-hmm. of, of white people so far. And listen, I'm mad at the coronavirus for being a white supremacist. I am mad at the coronavirus. Yeah. That's one of the main reasons I want to have a vaccine against it. Maybe it's, it's because of its white supremacy. Maybe it's
0: Asian supremacist. And it's an
1: Asian supremacist <laughs> is the main problem that we have. Yeah. So anyway, uh, one last article that has nothing to do with with uh, coronavirus or, or the protests or anything like that. Just a little bit of economics, a little economic lesson real quick here for you. It's very hilarious maybe you guys saw some of this jersey city which is in new jersey if you guys didn't know that jersey city is growing leafy greens for 17 dollars per pound to give away for free on wednesday the city council of jersey city new jersey will vote on award awarding a three-year one million dollar contract to the company aero farms to build 11 vertical gardens on city properties the company estimates it will be able to churn out 19,000 pounds of leafy greens a year from these installations, which will then be distributed for free to city residents. Do they have a
0: permit for that?
1: They're they're probably going to be the only one to get the permit, more okay. than likely. In fact, I think Not they actually the mentioned the city that.
0: have a permit to give it out to the city, uh, city residents for free? Um, the city can do whatever they want, man. Okay. the government. Making sure. Stephen Fulop,
1: the city's mayor, told NJ.com that the farms would produce vegetables for city-run healthy eating programs. Residents would register for these programs to receive free produce on the possible condition that they would be required to attend healthy eating classes and or have their diets and health
0: monitored. Jesus. The things that politicians come up with. We have all of these problems. And one of your solutions is just this made-up vertical garden This is garbage. (laughs) It is going to be
1: oriented towards diet, healthy eating, and making people more aware of what they are putting into their body, Phillips said. We are going to be hopefully changing outcomes of how people eat and live, which ultimately changes life expectancy. The $70 million hole the coronavirus pandemic has blown in the city's budget only makes the AeroFarm's contract more valuable, the mayor told the news site, given how obesity can compound COVID-19. Okay, well, let's talk about whether or not there's other ways to do this. We feel it is more important than ever to focus on food access and education, he said. He said, uh, the we'd be stupid not to do it attitude is encouraging. The cost and overall concept of the program raises a few concerns, however. According to the reform's estimate, it will be able to produce about 58,000 pounds of produce over the life of its three-year contract. That means the city is paying $17 per pound of leafy vegetables produced. Even if one excludes the construction costs of the vertical farms, it would, it would be seven, but construction costs exist, by the way. So it's gonna end up costing roughly $17 per pound. So a quick online shirt, sh- search shirt, you can get an online shirt if you want to, but this is about an online search. <laughs> a quick online search shows the city could buy a pound of spinach from Safeway for under $2 a pound. A one-pound package of organic mixed greens at Walmart costs less than $5. If the city were really so keen on improving the diets of its residents, it would probably be far cheaper for it to just buy produce from local grocers
0: and then give it away. Plus, if you're buying a bunch, you could probably get a discount.
1: Yeah. So this is... I don't have to go through the rest of it. This really underlines really the whole point of the government getting involved in things, by the way. You have leafy greens this this amazing health initiative which you'd just be stupid not to do because you've got to try and make sure that people are healthy the reason that these people aren't eating leafy greens is because that they're just not accessible you can't get them anywhere that that's the problem you can't find leafy greens anywhere in fact the only way you could find them is if the government pays someone A a million dollars to create a new business to make leafy greens for you yeah that that's the only way they could do it and so the government is trying to do their job which is to try and and control the health of the people because when you think about it they're paying a lot for the health of the people so they're going to start trying to control the health of the people which is something you're going to have by the way when people are paying for your health care
0: this is just a the, the This last paragraph, well, not the last one, but the second to last, is hilarious to me. So,
1: indeed, the city staff who evaluated AeroFarms' 2019 bid for the city's vertical farming contract, the only one the city ended up receiving, they got ex- one, they got one, one bid, one bid for the contract, expressed concern about its cost, particularly given that the city wouldn't retain ownership of the vertical garden units. They won't even own it, so they're they're paying like this. A a corporate bailout to Aero Farms. Let's submit a (laughs) bid.
0: Paradexo Farms. Yeah. We're going to do this vertical um, farm for uh, $950,000 over three years. We should do it. Yeah. We should totally. Submit it. Work on that. This, uh, you can't make the point any more clear than this.
1: This is from Reason.com. So that's why you're actually able to hear about something like this is because it comes from Reason.com. You can't make the point any more clear. If you were to go to Walmart and buy leafy greens and then give it away to everyone, the government could pay less than $5 per package that they're going to get for per one pound package. Then
0: you're supporting an evil, greedy billion dollar corporation.
1: But But then you're giving all that money to Walmart. So what's better is that you pay over three times more per pound for the same leafy greens. If that is, in fact, how much they end up producing, by the way, they don't even know that's their projections on no. what they're going to produce.
0: They haven't so, taken into account global warming, acid rain, all those things that could destroy those poor plants. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's You just, know, when I want my salad, I think of when I daydream about salads.
1: Yeah. Which I'm happens
0: like, from time to time. I can't wait to get my leafy green salad off the side of a, si- a skyscraper. That's where the that's, best ones come yeah. from. When I you want it, make sure there's a lot of bird shit on it.
1: Yeah. When you, you buy the package, you find the one that says concrete farms and yes. that's the one that you go to and it's got the best leafy greens that you don't can even need any ranch. I'm so glad that the government saw of, of Jersey city solved the problem of the inaccessibility of leafy greens for their citizens, because you would have thought that all of the other stores in the area would have seen a need for this and would have provided leafy greens and their stores. You know, maybe, maybe something like that would have happened, but no, the government needs to come in and give money to a business to start, not retain any ownership of it, by the way, and then make sure that their product is over three times the cost of what you could have just bought at Walmart. Literally. But
0: this is going to be concrete, they,
1: organic, the concrete, organic, yeah. leafy greens. Can't just get that anywhere. Grown without soil and without sunlight. I read up on it just a little bit. So just, you know, those little UV lights and all that stuff. Listen, I'm all for projects like this, but you don't need to be using my money for it to buy me leafy greens that I could get for cheaper somewhere else. And if you're going to force leafy greens on me, then I recommend you go get it at the cheapest place you can get it because you're
0: using my money to buy it. You're telling me this is the best place to spend a million dollars. Yeah. Like we have all the things that you stole money for. This is where you find is the best place to spend a million dollars. And it
1: said in there, the coronavirus uh, put a $70 million hole in their budget. The
0: problem is government doesn't have enough money. Well, yeah. That's their problem. I mean, but- Clearly yeah. you can see that through these types well, of initiatives.
1: Systemic underfunding is one of the biggest problems <laughs> that the government has. So Exactly. We call everything systemic and I think maybe it'll catch on. Yeah, systemic you know. underfunding.
0: Yeah. That's the biggest problem. And uh, honestly, there it's almost as bad as the whore percent.
1: It's uh, you can't get much worse than those four percenters. No, there's there's no way systemic underfunding, though. That's pretty, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it's just pretty bad, man. It's, pretty it's right bad. up there with coronavirus. It sounds, honestly. it sounds bad. So, guys, listen, the free market does things better. By the way, this is what happens when the government decides they're going to do something. What would be better is if they created a contract and said, we'll pay you this much and you can say i don't know produce it for less like what they did with spacex by the way i saw elon musk describing why spacex was so much cheaper and he said that there there used to be a cost plus model which was what nasa used and so it was a cost plus like a percentage on top of it and we know this doesn't work from all the times that we've tried to put caps on Uh, profit margins, or we've done the cost plus all over the place. The cost can be whatever it's going to be. Like there's nothing that controls what the cost of that item is going to be, especially if there's no incentive for the cost of the
0: item to be lower. Well, actually there's an incentive for it to be higher because your percentage plus, as long as if you make it a billion dollars and you get 10%, well... And that is your profits going to be 100 million.
1: That is part of what happened with the Affordable Care Act, by the way. They have profit margin caps inside of the health insurance industry. And what you find is like what Charlie just said, you if you have a a 10% cap on your profit margin, then you might as well have your cost to be a billion dollars. That's a lot more money than when you were making 30% off of, off of, a, off of a hundred million dollars or something like that. Well, you might as well just be making 10% off of a billion dollars. And instead. you know,
0: and you know this, if you're a server, by the way, if you've ever served in a restaurant, most people leave, I'll say between 10 and 20%. Yeah. For a tip. And so the idea is is you want to get the bill as high as you possibly can get it. So that way, when they leave you that 10 to 20%, it's going to be the most amount of tip you could have received from them. And so this whole cost plus model is just another way of, of, as you said, of, of profit control that ends up completely backfiring. Yeah. And no one wants to look at policies. No one wants to look at the outcome of these things and be like, Oh, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to do it that way. We actually, we re we made it worse. Yeah. No one wants to say that. I like rent control, profit control, all of that.
1: I like at least that Elon Musk was saying it. He said, what's better is that NASA gives us instead of cost plus, they give us a hundred million dollar contract and it's up to us to make sure that we spend less than a hundred million dollars. If we want to make profit off of that. Right. By the way, I've talked a lot about my wife being a financial analyst without going into detail. um, HCA is moving into these types of contracts with the government right now. Instead of taking a payment per thing, they're taking these group lump payments for things, regardless of what the cost ends up being. Because what they've decided is that they can work on getting their costs down lower and make profit off of, the, off of the lump sum payment. And so they're taking these contracts, say we enter into a contract for $200,000 for this certain thing. Instead of deciding that they're going to charge per thing, they've said, well, give us that lump sum and we're going to do everything we can to get the cost on it down to $30,000. Like, and you're still going to give us the $200,000. Right. And so they have the incentive to lower their cost because they're trying to make profit. And so people have this backwards ideology that when you make profit off of something, it makes things more expensive. It doesn't profit makes things cheaper. It, It always has. Look at computers. Look at look at what Henry Ford did for the automobile. TVs look at look is, at all these great look at TVs. Look at all these things where you're allowed to make the profits and where there is very low government intervention in the markets. And I mean, those just, things continue to get cheaper.
0: Just the other day, I was at Sam's Club. Man, you can get a one thousand four hundred eighty-two inch <laughs> Blu-ray death ray. Uh, mud tire screen TV, LED, VR, plasma screen TV, all for three easy payments of forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents, man. That's pretty good, man. I, yeah, that's a pretty good deal. I put that on my Diners Club card. <laughs> <All> right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, guys. I think that's it. How long yeah. are we? A little over an hour now. So
0: it's a two thousand square foot TV. I mean, that's it pretty takes up good. the whole house. like when you go in the living room, just look. It's, it's it takes up almost yeah. one of Charlie's walls. Yeah. So it's,
1: it's pretty big. It's pretty big, see, man. I
0: can see every single hair on on uh, Denzel Washington's head. I can count them. Finally. Yeah. Finally. That's what we've all been waiting for right there. I was trying to make a Mel Gibson reference, and I couldn't remember Mel Gibson's name 10 seconds ago. Mel Gibson? Yeah. You couldn't remember his name? I couldn't. I can now. Okay, I got you. At the time, in the middle of that spiel. Listen, guys, thank you
1: so much for listening to this podcast. And thank you so much for being Patreon supporters. If you're not a Patreon supporter, then don't we don't thank you for that. But if you are, <laughs> then we thank you for that. So join the We Thank You For That Club, which is at patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. For as little as $5 a month, y'all can get in on the participating live we've got a fun group in here honestly doing a show without the live thing i can't imagine how we ever did it it's it's just so much more fun to have people in the group it gives us people to interact with they're saying hilarious stuff the whole time so get in there see if your jokes are better at patreon.com good morning liberty for as little as five bucks a month and if you are interested in taking control of your future man does that sound cheesy but it is the truth If you are interested in what the heck is going on in the stock market right now, then you can go to mastermytrades.com if you are interested whatsoever. Go to mastermytrades.com. Maybe you'll like it. You can get a seven-day free trial. And by the way, our seven-day free trial ends, our seven-day free trial ends at the end of next week. So you've got one more week to get in on the seven-day free trial, okay? So go ahead and jump in there on that seven-day free trial and learn how the markets work, learn what some of our strategies are, Learn why f- uh, for the first time in a little while I posted in the group yesterday that the market might be turning in the other direction yesterday. Yesterday I posted that in the group. Now that doesn't mean that I just know what's going to happen, but there was a little bit of writing on the wall with the chart pattern. And so you're I, the
0: reason why I went down. So I
1: Yeah. I yeah. sparked all the class members to sell their shares. <laughs> you called is, Jerome Powell. And is what like, hey happened. man, listen. Yeah. It's. You know, it's it's pretty interesting how all these things repeat themselves all the time, these patterns, these these previous price levels. I knew that we were in a pretty strong resistance level, and I hadn't posted saying that I thought the market was going to do something. But I happened to post yesterday saying that I thought that the market was going to turn in the other direction yesterday. All right. I don't know if you saw what it did today, but the thing almost halted on the way down today. Okay, so that's literally just using price action and patterns and all all that stuff. That doesn't mean that I know everything. That just means that I've been staring at charts for hours at a time for the last several years. And so you can gain all of that knowledge too faster than I did because I went and took a bunch of the super expensive classes. I made all the mistakes that you can make and have, have corrected as much as a person can possibly correct. And developed a few strategies that are pretty easy to learn and i go through and tell everyone what price points i'm going to be looking at on these stocks every single morning so if you guys are interested go to mastermytrades.com you got one more week to be involved in the seven day free trial and then it's going to go away forever it's never ever gonna happen again until the ne- until the next time that we run a an seven day free will eight
0: day free trial <laughs> six day free yeah. trial <laughs> next week starts the six day, day free trial yeah <laughs> so you better get it now so you get that extra day um as nate was saying earlier patreon i you know i just wanted to say for as little as five dollars a month you too can be against death i just wanted to put that in there uh, i learned that from watching billy mays there you go yeah so you too can be against death Guys do all of that, please, all of it, not just a little bit of it. I'm saying all of it, share the show with a friend, keep sharing. The numbers are continuing to go up. The subscription rates are going up. So you guys are are subscribing. We can't thank you enough for that. We love coming here and doing this every single day. So, uh, if you guys will do every single bit of that, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning Liberty.
1: If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. What's not to like about Vermont in terms of the beauty of it? And what a neat town.